Hello and welcome to the Addicted Austinite, your one-stop podcast for all things Jane Austen. I'm Catherine and in this week's episode I'm going to be reviewing episode 3 of ITV's Sanditon. So as with last time, I have literally just watched the episode and now I'm sitting down to talk about it. I did make some notes while I was watching it to help guide my thoughts as I express them to all of you. So my general feeling after watching this episode is that I did enjoy it more than I have the previous two. I think in those first two there was a lot of setting up that needed to be done and a lot of drudgery to get out of the way and now we're in episode three it's able to hit its stride a little bit more and things are starting to take off and it's more solid and defined in what it wants to be. That being said I think what it wants to be is not coming across as Jane Austen anymore. Like I was saying last week with episode two, there are flashes of Jane and you can see it, particularly in Arthur Parker, but tonally it's not the same as other Austen adaptations. It hasn't got that undercurrent, that humour and wit and sarcasm that you get with Jane's stories. We're definitely moving away from that now. Personally, I think that this adaptation is taking on a more Bronte-esque vibe. That's what I'm getting from it. And almost a sort of Catherine Cookson vibe as well. I don't know if you've ever seen those. They're romances set in historical northern England. And I'll tell you what it is that gives me that feeling that it's very Bronte, very Cookson. And that is that we have much more of an input from the working classes in this adaptation, particularly with the character of Mr Stringer. Now we've discussed this before way, way back when we were talking about, I think, Pride and Prejudice and we were talking about social class and where everybody fits in the scale and who it is that Jane is writing about. Now Jane, we know, is writing about the middle classes. She's writing what she knows and the middle classes is the circle that she and her family moved in. That was who they interacted with and that was who she chose to focus on for her stories. She doesn't put in a lot about the working classes, the other classes in British society. All the major families in Jane's stories have servants and they interact with people of differing classes, but we don't really get that much interaction with them. They're background and supporting characters mostly. The only person really who we can say is a major, in inverted commas, character of working class status is Mr Martin in Emma because he's a farmer and he's a working farmer and there's that whole discussion. The whole point is that he is working class and he's not good enough for Harriet, so Emma thinks. But that's really sort of the only working class person we get to interact with and we don't really get that much from him anyway. We know that he spent a lot of time with Harriet and that Emma snubs him and decides not to talk to him. We get Knightley's opinion of him and his defence of him, but Mr Martin never defends himself. 
and we don't really have that many scenes. We don't get conversations between Robert Martin and Harriet Smith or Robert Martin and anybody else really and that is what this version of Sanditon is giving us. We are getting a lot more input from the working class in Mr Stringer. I do adore Mr Stringer, I think he's a great character and I really do like his inclusion and I think it is very important to display all the different walks of life that there are or that there were in Georgian society. Now, I do like that addition, I'm just saying that it's altered the Jane Austen tone slightly. It's giving us that more sort of working class tragedy that we get from the Brontes and the mixing of classes that we get in Catherine Cookson novels as well. So that's sort of my really big thing that I'm taking away from this episode, that the tone has definitely shifted from what I'm going to call traditionally Jane Austen. <laughs> I'm not saying that it's a bad thing that they've taken it in that direction. I do, however, think they they are missing some underlying sparkle from Jane and her tone to her stories. One, one particular incident that kind of encapsulates that feeling for me is Mr Stringer Sr.'s accident. We've had medical emergencies in Jane Austen novels before. We've had Marianne getting very, very sick in Sense and Sensibility. We've had poor little boy Musgrove dislocating his shoulder in Persuasion. And we have Louisa Musgrove's big accident in Persuasion. And this accident of Mr Stringer Senior is definitely much, much more than we are ever given in a Jane Austen adaptation. It's a lot bloodier and it's a lot more detailed about what's going on. We don't see the medical process in Jane's stories. It's uh, The accident happens, fade to black, and the doctor's taking care of it the next time we see anyone. It's everybody sat outside talking about it rather than being there firsthand and seeing it. It is an interesting angle to take, and I thought that they did it really, really well, and they portrayed it well. I do take issue with Charlotte being allowed to stay while they're resetting Mr Stringer's leg. I really don't think they would have let her stay. <laughs> As we've discussed, it was a very misogynistic society and women weren't really allowed to be included in anything, um, much less setting somebody's leg, you know. But it's good to see her sort of taking control of the situation. We do have that parallel to Anne Elliot when she takes over when Louisa Musgrove has her accident. Sanderton just takes it one step further and has her actually hands in with the blood and the medical stuff um, <laughs> that's going on, which I do find interesting. But again, it does change that tone that we have. It's going from Jane veering off more towards Bronte territory there. Another thing that they have decided to include in Sanderton that you don't see very often in Jane Austen adaptations it's actually the children. We really don't see a lot of kids in Jane's works. We do have the Musgrove children in Persuasion and we do have 
Mr Knightley's brother's children in Emma as well. I suppose it's Emma's nieces and nephews too. But they are very, very small roles and they're hardly noticeable. We do have the palaver of Baby Musgrove dislocating his shoulder. But other than that, they are... They're just decoration, really. They have no more importance to a scene than a potted plant does, basically. They're there because families have children, so when a family goes somewhere... The children are probably going to be there, but they're not part of the story. They don't move the plot on very much at all. But in Sanditon, the kids are doing something, which I do like. It's actually a a big discussion about Jane's novels, about where are the kids. We know that Jane never got married and she never had kids herself, so some people say that's why she hasn't included any. But Jane's got a huge family as we have seen and at least two of her brothers Edward and Francis they had 11 children each that's 22 children just from two brothers and she had four more some of them didn't have children Cassandra didn't have any children for example but Jane was surrounded by children She even had her favourites among her nephews and nieces and she interacted with them a lot. So it is very interesting that she doesn't include children in her stories and that's what this debate is is all about. And this is what I'm liking about Sanditon, that they are choosing to include the children and that the children are having an impact on the story. We have character development coming from the actions of the children. So I'm looking through my notes to see what else I've got for you. Okay, yes, right. Aha, the drawing. Mm, Okay, I am watching Sanditon on a certain streaming platform. I won't specify for legal reasons. I don't want to show favouritism. But I don't know if the dimensions of the streaming platform are discluding things. Or whether this was just how the scene was set up. So I want to hear from you. If you've already watched Sanditon, um, because if you remember, I didn't watch it while it was going out. So I never actually saw it on the TV as it was intended to be shown. I'm watching it via streaming services. So if you have watched it, do we get to see the picture that Georgiana drew at the beach? Because that scene felt really weird to me that, The other two drew these beautiful pictures of the countryside and Georgiana drew something that made them all gasp and giggle. But we don't actually get to see what it was. I mean, I know she was using her imagination, but we've already seen the naked behind view of Sidney Parker and the implication that poor Charlotte saw the naked front of him. So what on earth could she have drawn that would have been that much worse? that we don't get to see it as it's cut off. We see a little bit of shading on one side and that's it. Why on earth can't they show us what it was? I mean, I know that it went out after 9pm, so there's got to be a little bit more in there, surely. It just seems like a false moment to me that we don't actually get to see what she's drawn and it's all gasps and so forth. I do realise that in this time it is all a bit more... Normal life is more shocking and we are verging on the era who found it detestable to say the word trousers for fear of being rude and improper. But 
what on earth has she come up with that they can't show us at least a little bit and they can't sort of infer? I really want to know what she drew. (laughs) One thing that I have found with this series, actually, I have been trying to watch it one episode a week to give myself time between episodes and I'm finding it difficult from one week to the next to remember who everybody is. There are a lot of strands and a lot of subplots in this story that I'm having trouble keeping track of. Everybody kind of looks the same and behaves in a similar manner. Two in particular that I'm finding really hard to tell apart are Miss Brereton and Miss Denham. They seem to be the same person, just different hair colour. And I, it takes me a little while to get back into it and to remember who everybody was from one episode to the next. I don't know if that is necessarily the series' fault or just my own mental deficiencies, but I thought it was worth mentioning just in case anybody else had the same problem. Because there is an issue with period dramas in general where a lot of the characters are sort of very cookie cutter and are very, very similar. And it's hard to sort of tell them apart in some circumstances. So I thought that was worth mentioning. Another thing that I really liked about this episode was the whole drama with the Doctor. Again, we have seen Doctors before in Jane Austen novels, But as I was saying, their work is often done off screen, off page. We don't actually see it. We hear everybody talking about it afterwards. We hear that the Doctor is looking after Louisa Musgrove, for example. But we don't actually see what he's doing. And I thought it was a really fun little scene when he set up his his show because it may seem really weird to us for a doctor to do that these days but you have to remember that all this time ago 200 plus years ago doctors didn't necessarily have the same prestige that they do now and they didn't have the same clear-cut role in society there weren't really doctors surgeries it was all one-on-one case-by-case situations and a doctor would work out of his house like Dr Watson does in the Sherlock Holmes stories. It's not the same kind of service that we get in Britain today with the NHS for example and they really did have to be showmen as well as healers because they had to convince everybody that they were credible and they had to make money so they had to sell the cures that that they had. They had to make money for themselves. They are very much traders rather than service providers as they are today. This of course is coming from somebody that lives in a universal healthcare country and that's what I've grown up with. So it is quite a big jump for me to see that and to sort of understand the role of doctors in Georgian society but I do think that they captured it really well in this episode there was that showmanship quality to everything that he was doing and he was selling his trade which is exactly what they would have done and Lady Denham's reaction to him was certainly a very common opinion because 
doctors weren't certified so anybody could be a doctor if you had a bottle of water with a teaspoon of sugar in it you could put it in a fancy bottle and put a nice label on it and sell it as a tonic and it gave rise to what they call quack doctors who would just sell you sugar water instead of anything that would actually help. So it was difficult for doctors to prove that they had a reputation and to get people to trust them. And there were a lot of people like Lady Denham who still didn't trust doctors because they have had bad experiences with people who are selling nothing. They're selling placebos. They've got no medicinal value at all. They're just trying to make money off of ill and stupid people. So overall, I really do think the doctor's role and the way they portrayed him and the way they included him into the story was really, really good. Okay, what else have we got in my notes? Hmm. Oh yes, there was something that I really, really did like about this episode, but also actually the series in general so far, and that is that it looks beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. The costumes are good, and everybody looks great, but the sets and the locations are stunning. It's absolutely beautiful. I love it. As I said before, there is a slightly more pessimistic tone to it, so the colours are a bit darker and a bit more muted. But I think they've done really well, for example, in giving Sanditon that historic look in context of the people watching it, while also making it look modern from the perspective of the people of the era that it's set in. I thought that was really well handled. I love Denham Park. I think some of the establishing shots are gorgeous. I just want to go and walk along that river and take in the sights. And I do love the seaside shots as well. I'm not entirely sure where they filmed this. I know that some of it was done at Breen in the West. And I think they did a little bit in Durham Park as well, which is actually sort of around my area. I am just outside of Bath. And it's absolutely lovely. I really like it. Personally, I am a person that do does love being at the seaside. I have lived on the coast near to beaches for most of my life. And the shots that they've used and the way that they've made it look and the, the way they've made it more Georgian in feel is absolutely wonderful and I just love the shots of them walking along the cliffs and walking on the beach and it's just oh it's just gorgeous I think they've done really well in setting it and using the locations to their best advantage it really is lovely uh, I really do like the the look of this series and I think on that happy note, this is where I'm going to wrap up this review, I think. <laughs> I'm going to leave it on a good note. I am looking forward to watching the next episode, seeing where it goes. I'm slightly more excited uh, to watch episode four than I was to watch episode three, I have to admit. I am very excited to find out if Georgiana's miniature is her brother or her father or her boyfriend. That's going to be really interesting. Who was that man? 
and I'm excited to see if the Doctor gets to stay, and I'm excited to see if Sidney Parker is going to stick around, because I really still haven't quite got the measure of him yet. At the moment, he's some kind of Mr. Darcy from Pride and Prejudice, Mr. Crawford from Mansfield Park kind of mashup, and I'm not sure whether to expect a turnaround and for him to become the hero and the love interest, or whether Charlotte's going to go for Mr. Stringer instead. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that, and you can be sure that you'll be hearing from me as soon as I have watched it. So I will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Addicted Austinite. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, please do like, subscribe, share, uh, send it to all your friends that like Jane Austen and even the ones that don't. Maybe we can convince them to like it. (laughs) I will see you next time for a new episode. And until then, happy reading, your faithful servant, the author.